Welcome aboard the Mad Pastors Podcast. Honest pastors, honest conversations. Powered by G6 Allies. You may now feel free to move about the podcast. What's going on, everybody? Hey everybody? Good to see you guys. Welcome back to the Mad Pastors. I'm drinking tea today. <laughs> a loser. What a loser. Is it sweet tea, though? Oh, yeah, it's sweet tea. Well, if it's sweet tea, then you're fine. Uh, I mean, I love I love the North for your cold, but you are way off on your tea tasting, man. That's true. People are like, hey, can I just get regular tea? Just I just need tea, not sweet tea. And I always look at them People and go, in the North don't talk like that, Ian. Well, they could, though. Maybe somebody No, does. they don't. Okay. Well, if they talk like that... They probably drink sweet tea. <laughs> <laughs> what's the dialogue? What's the dialect for the North? Hey, uh, can I get yeah, some like tea Minnesota accent. Hey, dear. Uh, but when they say that, I'm like, do you just? Why don't you just give them some dirty dishwater? Because it's the same thing. Anyway, sorry. So but if I grow, went growing water, up in Illinois, yeah. I can I can drink unsweet tea. I I can I say I could drink do it, that, but I, I prefer it. To. I prefer sweet tea for sure, That's but. Right. I can drink unsweet tea. It's not it's not an abomination. If I want to nasty me. water. I'll call Dante's Peak. Do you remember that movie from the nineties? Yes. Who was in that? Sam Neill. Sam Neill. And I think it's, oh. was it the woman that was in Jurassic Park with him? I can't remember her name. Uh, yeah. They, yes. What's but her name? I just remember the scene where they the two scenes I remember. They turn on the faucet and it, the guy comes out and he holds it up and it's like just covered in sulfur or whatever. Yeah, uh, tea. <laughs> and so, so it's like, how did the, I think that was the whole plot of the movie is that they didn't think it was the volcano. They thought it was the northern people spiking their water supply with tea. Wow. Uh, and so, but then I remember when they're <laughs> the grandma that nobody liked through the whole episode, the whole movie, the motor burns out in the acid. And then she goes, I'm going. And she jumps out the back. And apparently, where metal could not survive long enough to get him across a pond. Her legs did. <laughs> so, That's right. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Granny. Uh, but today, sorry, it's good times. But you know, Michael, you what might a say movie. you might say that we deconstructed that movie a little bit, couldn't you? Or not? Uh, possibly, yes. That was a clever segue. Uh, Almost. <laughs> into, Turns out it was Pierce Brosnan. It was. Oh, it was Pierce Brosnan. I thought it was. Sorry, Sam I just Neal. I just looked it up. It's Pierce. Brosnan. Did you know though that speaking of that, Sam Neill, I just saw and his, Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton, yeah. Not the Jurassic Park lady. No, though. but I remember her. Sam Neill uh, actually she was, she was Sarah Connor. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was. She's not a good actress. I mean, she's okay as Sarah Connor, but that's about it. That's about it. Her repertoire goes to post-apocalyptic time travel <laughs> movies. Uh, but hey, who wouldn't want to have that? That's right. No, uh, so all that to say... Wow, we are majorly <laughs> sidebarring here. I think we to- should. I to see begin more this episode. Christian podcasts that seem to be gaining steam, and they'll name it like all these weird, contradictory things because they just they just talk. So I figure, let's get it out in the first couple minutes, and let's move into okay. it. So as we've been deconstructing this movie, uh, see what you did there. Uh, we so this is something I, I hear a lot. I hear it a lot specifically from pastors, but it's <clears throat> it's all over headlines and blogs and posts, and it's this idea of deconstructionism. Okay. And so now that, and that term, it's about like everything else, uh, you know, pastors love to use Greek and people don't like that sometimes or big words. I think pastors get tired of us using really simple concepts and using huge words. So, uh, deconstructionism, it was kind of a newer thing to me a few years ago to hear that term. Uh, cause generally we'll get to this, but I just thought it was called spiritual growth. And, but it turns out deconstructionism goes a whole different avenue when you'd say that, but it's a big thing in the millennial church. 
millennials are their their statement is whether it's a true statement or a good statement or not is that they have deconstructed their faith deconstructed the beliefs they were raised with and things that they said and so many of them are either leaving the church or kind of separating from the church and having their own Christianity which is a contradiction in terms um, but their own Christianity and their own brand based off of what they want because how one group quoted it, a new generation of evangelicals is craving non-judgmental spaces where they can ask hard questions. And, you know, we asked the question, was Jesus too judgmental? Are churches too judgmental? Should we ask those questions? Um, and, and what does deconstructionism look like, not only for pastors, but just for the church in general? Mm-hmm. So I would say, first of all, the term deconstructionism uh, comes from the Greek word. Uh, just, just put an ism just, on there. Just is, yes. It's one of my favorite isms. Deconstructami. <laughs> um, you get that if you ever took New Testament Greek. <laughs> it, so um, deconstructionism, yeah, it, it does kind of get a bad rap. Yeah. Um, because it's it seems to be the culprit, or it's what's mm. uh, get the label given to some more uh, famous individuals, some personalities that we all would recognize that have yeah. left the church and have mm-hmm. uh, you know deconstructed their faith. And so you have like Michael I, Gungor or Rhett and Link. I just want to Rhett say Rhett Link from their big YouTube guys. Rhett um, Link, yes, Michael Gungor. Um, so disappointing because his stuff's just stupid. Like what he's posting is just nonsensical. Uh, Joshua so, Harris is, an, is another one, the kiss dating goodbye guy. Not so as sad about it's, that one. It's it's but it's household <laughs> right. names that with for he the last twenty years. And hello. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, we just need to break for a minute. Oh, We're talking gosh. about Joshua Harris, who wrote a book about not kissing and not dating your spouse, but he did those things with his spouse. And I mean, it's just I saw that one coming. I didn't see Michael Gunger coming. I did. I kind of. We all kind of saw Rob Bell coming. That's also another huge deconstruction. So who wrote Love Wins? And I was proud of his church because you know I'm, I don't worry about being biased in this podcast as much because. But they they ask him to leave. I mean, because deconstructionism is not heresy, um, but we find right. out that when we don't understand exactly what it is, we tend to just write anything that's heretical that came out of it off, or we write it off as something. And I don't think it's something to be scared about. I think it's something we got to understand. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I, it's certainly not heretical. It it has it has led many down a heretical path. Yeah. But I don't think deconstructionism is the root of that problem or, or the, the thing that we need to blame sure. there. So deconstructionism simply means to to deconstruct or to reduce your faith, mm. if I can use that phrase, uh, to reduce your faith to fundamental elements. So you're backtracking from what you have believed or what you have been taught, and you're working your way backwards to find a common denominator with the goal of then building back up your faith from there. Yeah. And okay. so the, the concept, I think, is is commendable, that sure. we, we look at the state of Christianity, particularly in America, and we see, hey, there's, it is, it is, wrought with problems. There's right? a lot there's, of things that were there's not good. so many things wrong with the church in America today. We gotta figure out where it went wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's let's retrace our steps and find out where we deviated from that path and let's get back on the right path. I blame rock right? music. 
Oh, I blame I blame a lack of rock music. <laughs> ah, see, now you're a heretic because you're deconstructed. Yep. No, I, no, I think see, that if, if Michael Gungor was more in the in the Zeppelin category, uh, Zeppelin or the Guns N' Roses category, I I think what things if, things might have turned out different. I'm not if, saying they would. What have, if he but was possibly in the Nickelback group and it was you make me things? Get those beach balls flying. <laughs> Wow. I do. Well, so you possibly sure. <laughs> you hit let's a, go with it. You hit a good point, but here's what's interesting. Until I heard the term, you know, deconstructionism or to deconstruct your faith. I mean, honestly, that's not even a scary term until you. It's kind of like the news until you hear everybody tell you it's a scary term. Um, but but growing up, that was just kind of part of what it meant to be a believer. And what I mean by that is uh, Philippians two. So Paul is talking to the Philippians, kind of about this idea, not specifically about deconstruction, so I'm not pulling it out of context, but he tells the Philippians, so he has in Philippians 2, the whole passage uh, right after this is where he talks about Christ did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, right? But that he mm-hmm. he stepped down, he died, even the death of a slave. But right before that, he tells the Philippian church that just like in my absence when I was here, right? Because it's easy when a teacher is there to be learning. He says, but just not just in my presence, but also in my absence, I want you to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. And, you know, of course, the more you learn about that, you know that it's not a, a scared thing. It's a fear and a respect knowing that you're working out what is essential to your life, to, right, to your faith, to everything about how you live. And so he kind of calls them to that. Well, part of that growing up was a healthy criticism and a healthy... Uh, expectation that God's not afraid of questions and that men make mistakes. So when I am looking at, when I see problems come up in the church or I see issues that I need to evaluate those and make the adjustments based on that. And so not, you know, when you get into maybe a Rob Bell or Michael Gunger category, that's a different category than what I'm talking about, right? That goes into, well, I think God needs to love everybody. And so love wins and there's really no punishment for sin. Versus what I'm seeing a lot in the the millennial category and in current church where people go, well, a lot of pastors have a lot, make a lot of mistakes. A lot of church doesn't live up to the hype. I don't, for these four or five reasons, I don't think I'm, I'm a Christian and I don't want to do that. And I think those are two different avenues. Sure. For me, it's got to be, and I'm not saying this because like for me, I was just raised well with this understanding and I've seen it emulated that it doesn't matter what people call you and it doesn't matter what people say about the church, Jesus is the focus and the motivation of it. And if it doesn't go back to him, and that's not the purpose, what somebody does can make me sad, it can disenchant me, it can make me struggle, but that doesn't define what the church is, or it shouldn't define what the church is. Jesus has got to define that. Scripture has to define that, if that makes sense. And maybe mm-hmm. that's too vague or too preachy. No, it, it, that makes sense. Um, but I, I do think for many people, no, God is not scared of questions, but human mm-hmm. beings are. Oh, absolutely. And and so I, I think yeah. part of why deconstructionism gets a bad rap within Christian circles is because the whole the, the very premise of what it is is to question what you have been taught. Right. Right? And... and if we stick in Philippians 2, right before he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Paul tells him, he tells the church, hey, you guys, keep doing what you have always done. As you have always behaved, as you have mm-hmm. always obeyed what I've instructed you to do, yeah. work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And and deconstructing our faith seems to go in the face of what Paul is saying there with, as you have always done, right? Sure. Uh, just as you have always obeyed does not line up with 
question the things that you have been taught. That seems that seems very opposite. Yeah. And so it is kind of a scary thing to think, well, you can't question that. You can't deconstruct right. that because we have taught you to believe something different. Or, you know, the, our pastor growing up said this, and I can't question that. And and well, and that's yeah. and that's where I think we need to learn to balance things out a little bit. And in all of this, we should. We should be growing. You you yeah. do not grow without asking tough questions. And we should be balanced um, in the approach, right? Like sure. So because you you to to juxtapose Philippians with Acts. Paul loves the Bereans and the Bereans. I mean, to a lot of, and and granted, listen, I'm the first guy to tell you so many churches suck and a lot of pastors suck and they're not good pastors. That doesn't mean the church isn't good. That doesn't mean Jesus isn't in charge of it and working in his church. It just means that people are broken and sinful. And we, that's part of why this podcast exists is navigating that to back to health. But I think it's interesting because Paul has who I think in many churches would be an annoyed group of people, annoying group of people mm-hmm. called the Bereans. And like Paul's like, okay, guys, Jesus, son of God, he's spoken about here in the Old Testament and he goes through his whole the whole spiel. And the Bereans are like, all right, we're going to go back to the temple. We're going to study. And then we're going to call you on it. And then, but Paul doesn't go, ah, Bereans, just take what I'm saying. No. Right. Paul says, I commend you. Everybody should be like you. So what's interesting, and I, maybe the balance is, am I right in assuming the balance here in Philippians is uh, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. To continue as you're doing, I think it means, see, here's what I see. I see problems with the church, so I'm going to get out of it, and I'm going to evaluate it, and then if I think it's good, I'm going to jump back in. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. You stay, you continually stay there, that you're contributing, you're in community, and you're working out those things and those issues mm-hmm. as doing what you're doing. Like there's, we, but once you jump out of the church and you, deprioritize that in your life, well, then there's very little draw for you to come back in because once you're outside of it, you begin to see even problems that aren't there. When right. that's when all you're doing when you're not being fed, not being ministered to, not being challenged, all you're doing is finding problems. The, the proverb is true. Uh if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Right? For sure. Um I th- I think along those lines, we actually just had this conversation in our uh, small group time at church Sunday. Mm. And and somebody brought up the point that they had seen a billboard that said um, it was a an invitation to a a church, and it it just said love God but hate church question mark mm. join us for online church at this address, mm. uh, and the the lady who mentioned this said you know at first I was like well that's catchy, but then it dawned on her how how subtly destructive that is yeah. that that's that's not at all what how god wants us to view his church that yeah. we love god but we hate his church <laughs> uh there there's some real problems with that and mm-hmm. and so i i made the made the point i said you know if and i looked at another couple that was sitting in the group and I, and i said uh to the man i said you know what if i were to say hey I love you. You're a great dude. We are best friends, uh, and you and I we're we're gonna be friends for life. Yeah. But I hate your wife. Like I just I can't stand her. I don't want to be around her. Yeah. She's a hypocrite. She's a liar. She's petty. She's all of these things. Yeah. How good is but if she me and Tom this petty. guy's relationship gonna be? Right. It's not gonna be good at all. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's probably going to punch me in the face. Unless he's right? Brad Burks from I Love Lucy. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Thanks, um, Amazon Prime. You know, 
And and I think that's that's the same analogy. I think that's a, an apt analogy. We can't love here. Jesus and hate his church. We, we, and expect yes, to and grow. so when we when we think about deconstructionism, yeah, there there is a line that that becomes very dangerous to cross, and that's what some of these celebrities. I say celebrities. Ninety-five percent of the world, ninety-nine percent of the world has no idea who these people when are. When you're, well, hold on. Within when you, Christian circles, when you're a Christian celebrity, um, you're kind of just like a popular person. Yes, <laughs> in your circle. Um, but uh, you know, when when we see some of those who who have yeah. gone, who have left the faith entirely, mm-hmm. or have gone down a, a heretical path, um, that does, in a lot of instances, seem to be the the parting of ways. Is yeah. is when they they walk out on the church and say. I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Rather than deconstruct it to the point of, all right, God wants his church to be something better. Yes. Let's let's stand our ground and let's make it better. And that's I think uh, and so, that's the key distinction I think we need to I think to you're wrestle right, with. Because our culture doesn't tell us to make anything better right now. It tells us, we talked about this, you know, last podcast, but it tells us to cancel, to, cancel, yeah. to get rid of. If you say, you know, I think I'm all about pop culture and movie references and such. I just enjoy them. Clearly. Uh, we, went, we went Dante's Peak to begin this podcast. We also so. went Ferris Bueller's Day Off last week, which was yeah. quite impressive. Uh, we can't monetize that. So <laughs> all that to say, though, what I think is, you know, there's this movie called Britney Runs a Marathon. It was, it, and I was, it was odd to me that it was highly praised by critics, but it was a very good movie, and it's worth watching. I mean, if you can deal with the language, you know, we can deal with gluttony and every other sin, but. We can't deal with language, apparently. So if you can get through it, um, it reminded me. Are you using one sin to justify another sin, Ian? No. I'm saying Come on. be able to You're object- a better theologian than that. That's true. I'm just saying uh, <laughs> be willing to watch something to understand it. Oh. Paul quoted, quoted uh, gotcha. Epimenides and rock stars of his day. So, But in Britney Runs a Marathon, um, I just think it's interesting it's this fight with her and I, you know, you can take it. However, I'm sure the writer meant something different. What I see in this is a fight back and forth between. So this girl is, is overweight, very overweight. And to actually do the movie, she lost weight. They shot it over her, a period of her training for a marathon. So it's kind of cool, but she goes into the doctor and she says, uh, the doctor says, Hey, you've got some health concerns here. You got high cholesterol. He said, you're, you're almost uh, at fatty liver disease. And she goes, "What? you call my liver fat. And she gets real snotty and rude, leaves, keeps talking about how he's mean, how all this stuff's happening. And it was such a, but eventually she runs this marathon and you watch her kind of have to make these shifts in her mind and come to terms with, it's not about everybody else. It's about me doing what is good for me, like Mm -hmm. what's going to benefit me most. And I think the same thing of our culture, it's very indicative of our culture, which surprised me. Maybe the author meant something else, the writer meant something else than, than I took away. But what I saw in it was, how how awful our culture is that once we spot something wrong, we just try and get rid of it or we get offended and walk away. And that's not, that's never been, in fact, I don't know if we think this or not, but God doesn't do that with us. Mm-hmm. When God spots something offensive in us or something wrong in us, it's this idea of sanctification, right? That he goes, that's not okay. So we're going to work that out because I want you to be the best you can be. I want you right. to be the best I've created you to be. And so when I I do with you, deconstructionism almost seems like a when it does go heretical, that's an internal issue with the person deconstructing because deconstruction's a good thing. We should always be evaluating where we're at and what's going on and hey, this is a problem, so let me figure out how this problem arises. I mean, I would I would be sad, 
but more okay if people left the church because they couldn't reconcile something that was actually an issue, yeah. but they were trying. Yeah. And so, and I, and I wonder too, so this is how uh, we were talking earlier about uh, premier Christianity. So it's an article from the UK. It's pretty transferable. Um, but they said a- academics have, have dubbed it theological deconstruction, but it's simply in simple terms, they're referring to what happens when a person asks questions that lead to the careful dismantling of their previous beliefs. Some talk about a mid faith crisis where deeply held doctrines are reexamined and sometimes jettisoned in favor of more progressive ideas. Many continue to self identify as a Christian throughout this time. Other uh, others take on the label, which they say carries less baggage, such as follower of Jesus, which is funny because those are the exact same thing. But all of that to say, but I get it. We've I say Christ follower a lot because I don't like the baggage that comes with Christian um, because everybody and their dogs are. So I get where we're at. But what is interesting to me in all of this is, you know, they talk about, some talk about like a mid-faith crisis. Um, it almost seems... Like the way that we do it, I think of C.S. Lewis specifically when he says, you know, I believe in the sun, not because I see it, but because by it I see all things. We tend, I, I tend to see in the, the place that this goes wrong is when we take it for the assumption that I need to re-examine the sun rather than re-examine how I see objects by the sun. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. We're, we're not we're not looking to... In, in fact, I would say often that this this is great... And that we need to be able to look back. So the other thing to me is not just that, but then pair that with the idea that when we talk about Jesus and we talk about all this, that we're saying, well, we need more progressive ideas. But I would also, I would question that and say, do we need more progressive ideas or do we need to get rid of the fat on the on the teaching and on the church and all the things we have added to it and get back to who Jesus was? Because I think that we feel, I think part of this deconstruction movement and part of where churches, I think, need to wake up and pastors need to wake up and people need to wake up is to say, if I look at the Jesus of the Bible, I don't think he'd be welcome in most churches because of the people he spent time with, because of how he did ministry, because of how he invested and worked to people. I mean, you look at John, you know, John 6 and the woman at the well, I believe John 6, maybe John 5, and the woman at the well and, you know it would look like to the average person in that culture that Jesus was picking up a prostitute or engaged in something he shouldn't be. But Jesus keeps himself above reproach while at the same time leading that woman to himself and then making her the first evangelist of her village. I mean, Jesus didn't... I've been at most churches where if a, if a gay person, if a Democrat, if a, you know whatever on the other side of the spectrum like these millennials we're talking about came in, they really wouldn't be very welcomed. Unless they got on, got in line and jumped in, and so, but I look at that and I'm like, man, most of the issues these people have are not issues with Jesus; they're issues with what we've added to Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and that's, I mean, that's really the basis of deconstructionism uh, is that it, it's a questioning of some of those fundamental or core core beliefs mm-hmm. uh, from from a Absolutely. worldview, and that's, I mean. Philosophically speaking, that's that's how the phrase came to be. It was for you philosophers out there, Jacques Derrida, French philosopher, who, who kind of was the the founder of 
deconstruction philosophy. Which makes me laugh. His, philosophers his, are the most, uh, I'm just throwing this out here. Philosophers and people with patents could never exist with each other because philosophers just go, Haha, this thing we all do. I have given it a name. I mean, it's just so many, philo- not all, philo- but so many philosophers just name crap we already do. Can I just throw that out to anybody that struggles in philosophy class? It's like, <laughs> why can't we just call this questioning? <laughs> There is a reason. I know, but I'm just saying. Let's be honest about it. Come on, Descartes. I think, therefore, I am. We've all thought that at one point. Keep moving. Keep moving. Do we want to talk about Descartes now? No. But I know we're going to stick with Derrida before Descartes. Keep going. I'm anyway, um, let's go back to movie references. Go to, you like those better. Go back to Jacques Valjean. This, this is what you're talking about. <laughs> go back to Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. Yes, that's Les Misérables. Um, Great movie. Still French, yes, that's good. But You're welcome. Now, Jacques Derrida, he he, he kind of was the father of uh, philosophical deconstructionism. Mm. And for him, it was, it was a questioning of the philosophical worldviews or the, the, the epistemology, why we believe yeah. what we believe. And mm-hmm. he, wanted to, he wanted to remove some of the assumptions that were propping up the prominent philosophy of the day mm-hmm. uh, and and in large part simply because he just didn't like it yeah and and I, I think some of that is what we see happening here and, and that's where I would want to guide us in this conversation about deconstructionism is there needs to be a purpose in it yes right and so just deconstructing it or tearing something down simply because you don't like it, isn't all that helpful of an exercise. Well, then it's never going to be beneficial. Um, it, <laughs> like you're just going to define problems. There needs to be a purpose behind it. And, and for the church, I think the purpose is to eliminate sinful behavior, to eliminate wrong thinking, mm-hmm. to, to build up a more effective and proactive body of believers who uh, advance the kingdom of God. Yeah, that should be our, our goal. And so when we when we deconstruct something, it ought to be for the purpose of reconstruction. Right. We we tear down the things or we even question some of the some of the fundamentals of of the faith. Again, those should be they can withstand yeah. the pressure that whatever questions you can throw at Christianity it can hold its own, right? Like that's that's not the concern, uh, but being free to express those questions and and venture down some different paths to explore all of this, not for the purpose of saying this church in my past was mean to me, or yeah. they were bigots, or they were homophobes, and therefore all churches are terrible, and I hate all of them. And so I'm going to deconstruct right. my faith, and I'm going to go believe something different. That's a very different thing than saying, my experience says that the church doesn't handle this issue well, but I want to know exactly what the church should believe or should teach or what historic Christianity has taught about these issues and how we ought to handle these issues, mm. and then let's rebuild something good out of that. That's good. That's the big difference, and that's where I want us to go. So pastors... Allow your people, allow yourself to question things that you have held yeah. for years. Maybe it was a, a something your parents taught you or your childhood pastor taught you yeah. this. It is okay to ask questions and say, hey, I don't, I don't think they had it right. Or maybe in that context, you know, 30 years ago, saying yeah. something this way made sense, but in this world it doesn't. And so we need to reformulate how we 
express our beliefs, not necessarily what we believe. And so allow yourself to ask yeah. these questions. That's what deconstructionism ought to look like. So Christian, And then Christ- rebuild it into something that, that is better. So to coin your phrase, Christian deconstruction must always lead to reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And, and there is that goal. So we have to have a purpose in mind for doing that. I think maybe a good rule too for this, and I think it would be, you know, pastors should breathe, people need to breathe, that one, um, you don't start out with an agenda other than I want to know the truth, um, because that's that leaves everybody angry, right? If, if somebody sets out to find a problem and they don't find what they wanted, then they get angry. It's like, well, no, just be open to learn and to grow. But I would, I would almost... How, how, how will you know what that truth is? With, How, without Descartes helping you to understand that, Ian. You, Boom, philosophy burn. You, you just yeah. you just follow the horse before Descartes. So either way, I like philosophy and I understand that. I'm just saying I struggled like a lot of people through those courses because here's what, here's, what here's what my professor said. If you're lost, you're in the right place. And I went, then I don't want to be here because I want to <laughs> know where I'm at. So... I, that's why I just tend to like, I know theology and philosophy go to hand in hand. I just will exclude one over the other because it makes more sense to me either way. But I would, I do think this is important as we talk about this is, um, I would almost say too, cause I mean, over the years I have grown up, I was in church nine months before I was born. I have lived and been in all kinds of contexts. I've served in all kinds of contexts. And here's what I have started to come to the appreciation of. If you, if you cannot track it, back to scripture, then it's negotiable. And it should be, it, it doesn't mean that you have to change it, but it does need to be understood that it's not primary and it's a negotiable. And I think that if we're not looking at something that we're doing and it isn't, it's already not in scripture, it's a non-negotiable, it's not a non-negotiable, so it is a negotiable issue, then we need to be willing to change it if we have a better alternative. And I think, and that doesn't mean, so, uh, you know, whether it's how you do worship, how you do, I mean, listen, we've all been there where, it was the it was the thing to put a praise team on stage and have a choir behind you. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have choirs anymore, and those are really easy things to change generally. Uh, but at the end of the day, when it comes to theology, when it comes to our lives, I think if we were actually acting like Jesus more often than not, I don't think we'd see headlines as much about millennials deconstructing and leaving the church. I think that we would see healthy and beneficial conversations and. The church is meant to grow and ebb and morph into whatever its culture needs, and it does that without compromising its the principles of Scripture, without compromising the person of Jesus. So uh, we don't deconstruct in a healthy way by trying to add the newest cultural trends onto it and say, "Now I'm gonna I'm gonna mix ma- mix and match these together." We deconstruct in a healthy way by saying, "Okay, what's the foundation here, and how do we reach?" a rebuild Mm -hmm. that helps us live out these principles. And so I think that that's great. That is a, it's a huge issue. And the point of this podcast is never to comprehensively give you a rubric. It's to be a catalyst for your conversations and your thought and your churches and as believers. And so, you know, as we get going, um, as we end it out, I think it's important to watch Dante's peak. Um, I'm just kidding. It's not, that's a terrible movie. What, what, What was the other movie? 
you mentioned Bueller's Day Off. No, that's a win. No, that oh. one's definitely a win. There was another one, some running a marathon or something. No, Brittany runs a marathon. Still oh, yeah. solid. If you want a culture, nobody's ever seen that movie. That's a lie. Fact, it was nominated I tell, for I tell awards. You what, nobody's heard of it. Not the full. If you awards. if you're watching this on YouTube and you have heard of that movie, put a comment on there and say yes, I've seen this movie. Rate it for us. Give us a one out of ten. Hold on. One to scale of one to ten. Rate that I movie. I do want to say before we get into this, I did not say. It was a great movie, or that I agreed with it. I said it was a good cultural oh, commentary. Sure, I, and I'm just saying no one's ever heard of it. It's a lie. It was on Prime. So Prime made it. Amazon oh yeah, Prime, every it. movie that's on Prime is something everyone's heard of. I'm you're fired. I'm just saying <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment and let us know that you have actually yes. heard of this movie. Please do it. or not. Post a gift. Which one Please. of us is right here? I don't think you've heard of it. He thinks you have. Now, if I said Troop Zero with Jim Gaffigan, nobody's seen that one, and it was awful. <laughs> but, but people know who Jim Gaffigan is. People know. I can't remember this comedian's name, but most uh-huh. people know her face. Know uh-huh. her face. Whatever. You, you've uh, seen the movie, and you don't even know who it is. <laughs> it's pitiful. True. All right. Well, we'll talk to y'all later as we go watch a movie. See you guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors Podcast. Mad Pastors is powered by G6 Allies, who knows that healthy ministry means having the right team behind you to provide worthwhile tools so ministry doesn't destroy you. If you'd like to partner with G6 Allies, here's a couple of ways you can do it. One, you can rate, subscribe, and review this podcast so that as many people as possible can get the same help and encouragement that you're receiving. You can also visit g6allies.com slash partner to see how you can financially partner with us. G6 Allies is dependent on viewers and listeners like you to support our ministry across the nation. If you have any questions or would like to contact the Mad Pastors for any reason, you can contact us at hello at g6allies.com. We'd love to hear from you.